welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Jose Estigarraga, Global Head of Reed Smith's International Arbitration Practice. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights, and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. And with that, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Arbitral Insights, Reed Smith's podcast series on international arbitration. I'm Jose Estigarraga, the global chair of Reed Smith's international arbitration practice, and I'm delighted to welcome a very special guest to our program, Alexi Moore, the president of the ICC. For those of you just joining us, this is part two of our interview with Alexi. We've already broadcast part one. We hope you will have the opportunity to listen to that one. If you haven't, it was very, very interesting and insightful. As I explained in part one, we thought it would be very valuable and interesting to ask Alexi to reflect on his presidency and to have an opportunity to ask him about the changes and innovations he led, and as well to ask him about his vision for the future. Alexi, welcome back to the program. I know our listeners are eager to hear more. So with that, let me get right to it. You led the ICC, of course, to expand uh, its offices abroad. Do you believe that the ICC needs to have other offices in some other region? I'm not talking about the long term, talking about in the short to medium term. Where another, Would you encourage the ICC to open any other regional offices? That decision will not be made by me, of course. It will be course. made by my, my successor and the future vice presidents of the court. We have, under my, my presidency, we have opened uh, new case management offices, as you know, in Singapore, Sao Paulo, and more recently in, in Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi started operations just some days ago. Whether there would be need for more, China certainly will be a question. There is an interesting evolution in China at the moment where we can see uh, the cities of Beijing and Shanghai opening opening themselves to non-Chinese institutions to uh, come to administer cases on the mainland. That That's an interesting evolution. We will need to see whether the regulatory framework nationally adjusts to that, which is unknown. Of course, any institution uh, like the ICC would need to be assured that, that China would be respectful of uh, their independence and also of uh, fundamental principles of due process and the right of advocates to uh, exercise their duties. Uh, that's uh, perhaps a question now for the future, but yes, China China will be, will be a question that institutions will need to look at very, very carefully. Okay, makes sense. Alexi, let me ask you, is there anything that you wanted to accomplish during your term at the ICC that you didn't get to finish as you reflect? Yeah, well, there, there is, a, I mentioned transparency and application of awards. I think we have introduced a very, very interesting and bold new policy there by providing for the transparency and the, the systematic publication of arbitral awards on a, a opt-out basis. Uh, so far, the data I have is that we have lots of uh, opt-outs. Uh, in fact, we're due to start publishing awards uh, on the 1st of April for uh, awards made from the 1st of January until the 1st of April 2019. Uh, and we've not been able to publish any either because of uh, the presence of confidentiality agreements or uh, of uh, opt-outs, which can be explained in a way because these awards 
uh, were made from January to April of 2019. Remember that our policy applies two years after when the award is made. Uh, so these awards were made in cases which were started before the policy was announced, so which, which may explain the high level of opt-outs, which came in, by the way, at a, at a very late stage. Uh, I, I hope that uh, the policy will be more accepted in, in the month to come, but, uh, but certainly this is something that uh, remains a work in progress, and I hope that it will, uh, it will continue. It's a long-term project. I mean, this is something on which uh, uh, not only the next president of call, but also uh, Claudio's successor in, uh, in three or six years from now, and then perhaps uh, the future successor of her successor will need to work uh, as well. This is something that needs to be seen at, uh, at an horizon of, of 20 years. So uh, perhaps another thing is, um, which is not a regret, but which is something which I would like to, to have seen uh, evolving more quickly, is the, uh, the, the expedited rules. The expedited rules have been a tremendous success. We have decided to increase the threshold for the opt-out application of the expedited rules from two to three. My, my, my proposal was higher than that in the discussion uh, which uh, led to the uh, adoption of the 2021 uh, rules. I would have liked to see a threshold of four or more than four. But of course, uh, as always in politics, you need to make compromises. And we heard the uh, different parts of the constituency and we decided to move uh, to, to, to adopt a more uh, uh, gradual approach and, and increase the threshold from two to three. But again, this is something that I really see as as the golden tool of the arbitration of tomorrow in, in the sense that remember that on the 1,500 or so uh, cases that are pending under the ICC rules, uh, about 40 involves, uh, involve a mountain dispute of less than, 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 than 4 million. So, the, and the expedited rules have proved to be extremely effective. We, we have made so far about 100 awards under the expedited rules, all save lim- very limited exceptions made within the six months time limit with a reduced scale of fees, with uh, uh, more limited representation cost for the parties, awards which quality is as good as that of any other award, which are scrutinized by the court with the same level of uh, quality, uh, albeit in a, in a shorter time frame. So it is really a fantastic tool, and I hope that we will see it uh, applied uh, to a much, much broader uh, range of cases in the future. You bet. Interesting, Alexi. Uh, one, one question is, what was the, the biggest surprise that you encountered during the course of your tenure? You know, as you began your presidency, you looked ahead, and now you reflect back. What was the, the thing that most surprised you about the undertaking? I would say the way, the ability in which the system has been able to, to adjust to, to COVID. COVID has had a tremendous impact. It came uh, very brutally, and, and arbitration in general, not, not only the ICC, has been able to adjust to that in, in a very, very reactive and, and, and adaptable way, which, which has been, uh, to a certain extent, a surprise. Of course, that there are cases in which parties have been reluctant to move to uh, online hearings, but I would say that overall, overall, the system has adjusted in a fantastic way, and COVID, now that we have uh, more than one year of experience of, of the pandemic, we do not see, as you see in, in, in many uh, judicial systems uh, around the world, this has not resulted in a backlog of cases, of delays, of cases accumulating. Cases, uh, arbitrations have been resolved, they've been timely resolved, uh, the system has adjusted, uh, and that has been a very, very good surprise. Interesting, interesting. 
Alexi, let me ask you, if that was the biggest surprise, uh, if you would, what was the biggest challenge that you faced during your presidency? Well, I think one, one challenge has perhaps been to, to get all parts of the constituency to accept that, to accept fully uh, that arbitration uh, is also a service industry. Of course, it's not only that, but it's also a service industry. And when we have introduced the expedited rules in the 2017 uh, ICC rules, so that has been done in 2016, I've been surprised uh, by the level of uh, skepticism and at times resistance that this has provoked. I had expected, of course, some level of uh, of opposition, but the discussion, the debate at the time has been uh, much harsher that, than I would have expected. But again, I think we've been fully vindicated on this by the way in which the system has has worked uh, so far. Equally, when we have introduced that that rule, uh, which you know about uh, the three three months to submit draft awards to the court for three members tribunals, is two months for sole arbitrators, and the consequences in case of an unjustified delay in terms of uh, fees reduction. Initially, there has been quite a lot of negative reaction to this amongst the, the, the community. Now it has been accepted. It has been accepted, I think, uh, quite widely, exactly in the same fashion that uh, when the ICC introduced the statement of availability for arbitrators, initially there was a lot of resistance and then and then it was accepted. So it's... it's uh, on the one hand, it's, it's, it's a world which, which adapts very well, very easily, which is very, very flexible, and that you still see uh, those uh, elements of, uh, of uh, resistance and conservation in, on, in some instances, which, uh, which to some extent have been, uh, have been a surprise to me as well. Let me ask you, Alexi, of course, you've been a driver of diversity at the ICC and otherwise. My question then is, you, as you talk about sort of, I'll call it inertia, uh, within the system where, you know, sort of resist change. Do you think that as a result of the increase in diversity that you, you know, in concept or in practice would see less less resistance and in fact more openness to change as, you know, perhaps the new members of the of the arbitral community and institutions and so on aren't perhaps as, this is my speculation, as entrenched in, in the, this is how we have always done it mode of thinking? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm completely convinced of that. I mean, the, the more... The more diverse uh, a community is, and the more renewal you have, uh, and and the more openness you have. That's not only true for arbitration; it's true for for any uh, any human uh, human body. And you're right to say that we we have done a lot. I think once I remember once uh, my, my friend Antonia Stimulica telling me that when she was a court member at the end of the nineties, uh, she was the only woman in the court. When I came in, I think the court membership was 120 members and there were about 15, 15 women, so less than 10%. Now we will have in the new court that will be elected for uh, the 2021-2024 term, uh, we will have more women than men. So it, it, it's a landslide change. And it's only not only on the paper. That, it, that, that means that you have an entire new generation of excellent uh, practitioners coming in at the forefront Taking leadership and, and and seeing things with uh, with new eyes and uh, with a much more open approach and with a desire not to do things as as they've uh, always been done. So yes, you will you will see uh, absolutely more adaptability and more willingness to accept changes in the future. Very good. Thank you for that. 
I'm going to pass, uh, Alexei, to the what I call the third of the chapters that I, I mentioned to you. We've talked about international arbitration in general. We've talked about the ICC. And now let me ask you for some, uh, just uh, perhaps some personal reflections. Uh, you have, of course, uh, you know, a very distinguished career in the world of arbitration, of course, culminating with your uh, extremely and extraordinary uh, successful president uh, presidency at the ICC. So you really have a, a unique vantage point. As you reflect back on all of your years in arbitration, and you had uh, to give uh, one advice, say, to arbitrators who are, in effect, at the beginning of their careers as arbitrators, uh, do you have any suggestions to them? We begin with that, and then I'm going to ask you about party counsel, and then I'm going to ask you about corporate counsel. Yeah, I, I don't have time to give advice. Uh, I don't. <laughs> Lessons learned. <laughs> well, you know, for an arbitrary, it's, it's, uh, let's say it's an advice I would give to myself. Golden rule would be know, know your case and also understand understand party counsel. I think it's important for an arbitrator to understand uh, the way counsel behave. Why, why counsel do certain things that, that may seem at times a bit odd or uh, if you've been counsel as well, if, you're an, if you've been an advocate as well, you can understand that better. Uh, and I think it's important. The, 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 the understanding, uh, the common language between, between counsel and arbitrators is a very important thing for, for the, the smooth functioning of arbitration. That's why I, I think, although I think we have to accept that in, in investment arbitration, this is something that is probably irreversible. But for commercial arbitration, I would not like to see an evolution where there is too much specialization in the sense that uh, arbitrators will be only arbitrators and counsel will be only counsel, because that, that can only be a source of misunderstanding between, between both. I think you've, you've covered perhaps party counsel as well. Is there anything special that you would, particular advice that you would give to party counsels at the early on in, in their career of international arbitration? Well, I, re I remember when I was at the, the school bar, the story has nothing to do with arbitration, but it's, it's a story that I always remember. And an old, an old uh, very old advocate in Paris telling me, look, there are, there are three golden rules for an advocate. And uh, well, what are these rules? Uh, rule number one is do not believe what your opponent says. And rule number two is do not believe what your client says. <laughs> and rule number three is do not believe what you say. <laughs> uh, and I think that there's a lot of wisdom into this. Wise advice. Wise advice. Corporate counsel, any thoughts of wisdom for them? Be involved. Be hands-on the case. Uh, be involved. Arbitrators like to have them participate in hearings, in particular procedural conferences. Arbitration can only benefit in uh, and corporate counsel as well in, in in their active participation in cases. Wise advice as well. I've, I've lived that and I can see the benefits of it. What is uh, next for you? I know, of course, that you very much plan to continue as service arbitrator. Can you elaborate a little bit? Uh, you know, do you prefer sitting in investor state cases versus commercial cases? Um, how do you plan to mix your uh, activities? I know you, of course, you you teach, you write, you do are active in so many things. Uh, give us an insight into what lies ahead for you. Yeah, it's perhaps a bit early to tell. What what what, what I can say for sure is that I will continue to sit as an arbitrator. I am at the moment working on the, on the creation of uh, of a small arbitration boutique. I can provide you with more details at this stage, but uh, it's a, it, it's a nice nice project, it's a nice startup, which keeps me busy at the moment. I will I will continue to sit as an arbitrator. I do now more investment work than than commercial work because I 
I cannot take uh, ICC work until the end of my term. Uh, I think this will rebalance. Uh, I like both. Uh, I like uh, investment cases a lot, but I think that commercial arbitration uh, uh, is also extremely and equally interesting. Uh, we are very fortunate to do what we do. Uh, sitting as an arbitrator is not only an honor, it's a privilege, but it's one of the most uh, challenging uh, uh, and intellectually fascinating activities that you can you can, you can can think of. So this is what I will want to, to continue doing, of course. Well, you've intrigued me. You mentioned that you you are setting up an arbitration boutique. I realize that uh, you know you'll be you might be somewhat limited in what you can share with us. But having at one point in my career founded my own arbitration boutique, uh, I'll ask you: Do you do, will that be serving both as counsel and as arbitrator, or it will be a boutique focused on your service as arbitrator? No, I hope both. Interesting, interesting, Alexi. Well, we'll look forward to hearing the news. Well, Alexi, you've been so generous with your time uh, for our, our, our listeners. I'll, um, you know, in effect, hand you the mic and ask: Is there any uh, anything else you might want to share with our listeners as uh, you you reflect this uh, really wonderful point at what I will assure you the many people regard as just a, a supremely successful presidency at the ICC. Yes, just just perhaps as a final word, and apart apart from from thanking you, it's been a very very. Uh, Interesting and and uh, and, and nice conversation. Uh, perhaps one 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 thought for uh, our friend Emmanuel Gaillard, who as you know just passed. It's it's a tremendous loss for all of us. Uh, I knew him well, of course, as you did. Uh, he was not only a great advocate, a great arbitrator, but also a fantastic human being. And 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 really, I still can't figure out how how this happened, but he will leave uh, a huge, huge uh, loss for, for all of us. So I wanted to just say a word about this before we close this conversation. I join you in that, Alexi. Indeed, it has been, just leaves a, a, a tremendous void. And, you know, the thought will be in ways to honor his uh, memory. But, you know, thank you for that, uh, Alexi, and I thank you as well for really this uh, excellent insights that you've shared with us. We, again, congratulate you, Alexis, on your magnificent term as president and wish you the very, very best for the next chapter in your career. Thank you so much, Jose, and I hope to have an opportunity soon to share a beer with you in person. You have no idea how much I am looking forward to that. But wonderful, Alexi. Thank you so much. Thank you. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email Joseas de Garaga at jia at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at Reed Smith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. All rights reserved.